Welcome to episode 15 of Constructing Comics, a comic podcast building comic stories one page and panel at a time. On this episode, we are going to discuss data and comics. We're going to look at the presentation of data and how they can help you tell a story. We're going to link to all of the stuff that we talk about in our show notes, and we'll provide examples on our social media. This is Matt, and again, I'm joined by my pal Noah. Hey there. And welcome, Emily. Uh, Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, well, thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. I get super excited about data and um, ever, I guess maybe in the last couple of years, I've gotten really um, interested in comics and data. But so I'm um, Emily Kuhnd. I am a data analytics and leadership consultant with Analytics to Inform. And really, I started doing data visualization uh, as a hobby back in 2013. And so I do it, I did it basically just for fun. And then in 2018, I made it uh, like my career. So I am so super excited about data viz. And I love like preaching the good word about data and getting everybody else excited about it. Can you tell us a little bit what a data viz is? Sure. So a data visualization is really just a way to convert numbers into a picture to help people see and understand the message that the data is trying to portray and do it in such a way that they can take an action, whether that's ask more questions or to make a decision. And we have some great data storytellers out there. So I am planning on sharing a few of them with you tonight. Like I can't wait for you to really dig into these visas. Okay. Um, one of the ones that you provided us was uh, one that you created. Um, and it was related to the Kelly Pseudoconic uh, Bitch Planet comic. Um, could you uh, break that down for us a little bit, please? Sure. So I was really introduced. I didn't even really know Bitch Planet. And I will be, you know, your listeners may not like this too much, but I am kind of a fringe comic person. Um, I've started to really get into it more over the last few years. But uh, I was reading a story online about Bitch Planet. And the story was really about people, women in particular, who were getting tattoos for, of non-compliant. And the story was really framed around um, you know, people questioning women for getting a tattoo about a comic book. And really, it was not just about the comic. It wasn't really about the comic book itself. It was really about the message that the comic was sending. And so I got really interested in Bitch Planet. And so I just kind of did a little bit of digging around um, and was so curious about it that I did a data visualization on it. So I tried to tell a story about the visualization. So I'm just gonna bring it up here real quick to take a look at it and kind of tell you a little bit about what I was thinking about as I built that data visualization out. So uh, one of the things that as we start taking a look at it is that I wanted it to have a very, bitch planet kind of feel. Um, So I had, I was using purples and the yellow, purple and yellow and grays. Um, Let's see. So 
sorry for just a second. While you're looking, you did a great job matching the palette of the comic. I've only read a couple issues of it, but I can definitely see you've got that. Uh, you've got the palette of the colorist in there. And uh, I love the, the background and uh, fonts oh, and whatnot. Oh, thank you so much. Great. So I yeah. actually, um, I hand, uh, like, uh, hand colored, I guess, the, the background. Um, oh. And so it's an image that I've used, which technically you wouldn't think that that's like so, um, so hard. No. But uh, because it's an image, it causes the visualization to render a little um, longer. Um, but yeah, so I called it non-compliant in a comic world. And so I was exploring the world of feminist, feminist comics in a non-compliant. Um, in non-compliant in a comic world. So that was kind of the, my objective here. And uh, so then I just wanted to really walk through, and I used this, um, this feature, I use a tool called Tableau, and this is on Tableau Public, but really I was using a story points feature, which was new at that time. And so um, I was really just calling out why women were getting these tattoos. And it was really because they identified with that non-compliant theme in Bitch Planet. And uh, I just wanted to kind of raise awareness as well about the comic itself. So Bitch Planet had a good outing for its first three issues. And I was highlighting where Bitch Planet stood with issue one, two, and three. And... Uh, you know, if we take a look at among female-centric comics, Bitch Planet has a good first issue. Only one other indie comic at that time bested it in its debut. So Bitch Planet number one was uh, fourth from the top, whereas Black Widow number one, Miss Marvel, uh, and Wicked and Divine number one uh, all bested Bitch Planet. Uh, and that it really complied with the expectation for subsequent releases of a new series. So that was really cool to see as well. Yeah, but then, especially with okay. image comics. You know, they're the indie people and stuff like that. Right. But with this comic, which is what's so amazing is, is that you have two creators, from what I understand, who are you know, relatively unknowns at the time. And for them to be even in like the top five, of like, you know, publishers just shows that they had, they had something that people really wanted yeah, um, from a comic. And then what I, uh, so really I was curious because I really wanted to see, well, I love this idea of strong women. Like that's something that I've always gravitated towards. Um, and so I, I saw that really strong women are not just in indie comics. Uh, female Thor had outperformed the Odinson. Odin Sun. Yeah. So then I used some imagery to uh, have, uh, so I've used some imagery in there. Um, again, with that gray kind of shading in the background. And when Marvel introduced Jane Foster as the female Thor in volume six, it did better than expected and really outsold others. Uh, and so, you know, I think that what I was also trying to demonstrate with this visualization is that uh, when you've got some strong female characters, sales are good. Um, yeah. And at that time, this data, I did this visualization in 2015. Um, 
but really based on those sales, Marvel made over $1.7 million based on sales volumes to shops. So it's not insignificant. So then it was really, well, will we continue to see strong women in comics? Stay tuned. Um, and really I showed just kind of the sales volumes of women comic books by publisher. Now Marvel outperforms everyone. Uh, it's Marvel, DC, Image, Boom, and then IDW. And so that was really, it started with this article about this comic that I had never heard of. Um, and it really led me down this really interesting path of getting to understand and learn a little bit more about strong women in comic books. So I had a blast uh, putting this together. Now these, uh, the, the sales for women in comics, those are the, the, the characters, not the, the creative teams. Am I seeing that right? Correct. Okay. That makes sense too. I'm surprised with Marvel being as far ahead as it is of DC. I mean, because, you know, DC has Wonder Woman, but it makes sense. Um, Marvel definitely has more female lead characters than DC, but DC, of course, like, you know, they have Wonder Woman. But yeah, so, but it, it's, uh, so it's amazing to look at all these statistics. Well, um, and also remember that this was done in 2015. And uh, so you may have a recency. Uh, so if I were to go back and update this, it might be interesting to see what the, what the sales volumes look like now because yeah. I would probably bet that DC is outperforming perhaps because Wonder Woman has just really made such a great comeback, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Comeback, but I've always loved Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. and so does my wife. It's her favorite person in the whole Absolutely. superhero verse. So one thing that might uh, play into this uh, is that Marvel at this time was um, reinventing or changing some of their characters around. Uh, we've yeah. already discussed that Jane Foster was was Thor. Um, probably around this time, you probably also have Miss Marvel, Ironheart, Marvel, Ironheart. Um, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, diversity um in race and 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 gender for for marvel at that time so that probably um plays into the to the numbers as well yeah also um at this time shiri was queen of wakanda as black panther at this uh, at this time i think i think that would be correct um yeah the marvel was definitely pushing towards more diversity at this time but i really like I like seeing how well Bitch Planet does in this, you know, in this world. And I think that just goes to show how much uh, Image is, is uh, you know, they, they, they really have an initiative to invest in new stories with, with new creators. As much as it seems like, you know, people like Rick Remender and Jonathan Hickman dominate the market, I think it's always great to see something like Bitch Planet or, or of course, like Walking Dead, you know, which was at the time an unknown creator. Uh, soar ahead because it's just a story and uh, characters that people want to see. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's pretty inspiring to see this first page and see it line up with all the other data afterwards. Okay, um, so why don't we uh, go into one of your other comic themed uh, business here, Emily? Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Vicky Vaughn, uh, Agent of Change? Okay, so first of all, I love alliteration, so I feel <laughs> like this was just right for me. Uh, this, this visualization really came about because 
I had just done a tweak to one of my friend's visualizations. He was actually um, mapping out like when it's uh, best to fill up, like, and it had different parts of the country. And so I had this conversation about the color palette that he used, but instead, Instead of me just saying, well, I made this viz over from this red and blue color palette, which for a geographic, especially in the United States, um, there's color association, uh, a strong color association with politics. And so what he was visualizing had nothing to do with politics. Mm. So I suggested a change to go more along the lines uh, or to align better with the color palette of the company where he got the data from, which is gasbuddy.com. And it just really tied in nicely. So with uh, GasBuddy and it just had a better look and feel to the map itself because it didn't have a political association. There's no real, um, there's no strong association here either way. So this was actually one of the first visualizations I had done. And uh, I just decided to have fun with it and kind of create a comic book like character for myself. Um, But Emily Kuhn just doesn't like, you know, smack of a comic book character. So I created Vicky Vaughn, this vigilante. Um, and so Vicky has done a couple of makeovers and she'll likely do more later this year. I'm, I'm probably going to bring her back because um, I have plans for her. <laughs> but <laughs> so I just did a, like a very small, like four panel kind of page, if you will. And the page is the data visualization. And really Vicky Vaughn is an agent of change because that worked really well with what I was doing, which was making over the data visualization. So this was agents of change, the meaning of color. And so I have got the first panel that says, meet Vicky Vaughn, mild manner manager by day. Um, And Vicky was going about her business when all of a sudden she sees a visualization. Vicky liked the viz, but was curious about color selection. And that's when she turned into her alternate identity, Vicky Vaughn, viz vigilante. And with a few tweaks to the color palette and title, Vicky's work is done for now. Um, What I love about this, I mean, just because it was fun to do, it was also just a really good learning uh, exercise for me with using Tableau and, and how to create that panel look. But the other thing that I thought was super fun, too, was that I kind of like roughly took a picture of myself. And I think at that time, Marvel had this like comic book yourself. Um, And so like I tried to create myself as a comic book character. I don't know that they still have that out, but it would be super helpful if they did, because I need to like get some of these images back which I've lost now, but um, it's really fun. So I've got Vicky, uh, you see her first in her um, office attire, and then you see her in something that looks more like Wonder Woman because um, we've already established that I'm a fan. Um, Why not? (laughs) So it's a really short kind of visualization, but it was really fun. And I thought it was a great way to present a makeover which was different than what I had seen in the past yeah I love the color choices here I actually I mean I can see there's the practical reasons for why you changed the map in the second panel of course well political wise Um, but also you know I just love when people use uh, secondary colors 
like oranges and yellows mm-hmm. in anything. Um, but they also complement the reds and the blues in Vicky, uh, the Viz Vigilante's costume as well. Because, you know, the greens and the blues and yeah. stuff like that. Just perfect. So this whole page is just visually striking and appealing. Oh, thanks. Easy to read. Yeah. I, I wish more of the Excel or, you know, spreadsheet stuff that I had to read day to day with my job was more like this stuff. <laughs> I'd, I'd pay attention to it a lot closer. Um <laughs> If they had superheroes in them. Yeah. But so this is very fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. So yeah, thank you. It's great. And you use Tableau for all of this stuff. So like you generate maps and everything with this. Yeah. So uh, I, so yeah, the maps that you see in here, um, actually, so the yellow background, the lettering or the letters, the fonts, um, the maps that's and the text boxes are all in Tableau. Um, and the only thing that were, that are really images are, um, the, are Vicky Vaughn. Yeah. So it's, they did the, the, the application seems to blend those really well though. So yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah. And this Um, was in 2014. So there wasn't as much functionality as now, but it's really cool. So imagine you're at work and somebody creates a panel or a dashboard. I mean, this is really what this is, is a dashboard. It's just cooler, right? Because it's got stuff. But then what you could do is to like hover over the map. I didn't set this up in this visualization, but you could hover over that map or that chart or whatever and get more information. And I think we'll see some examples of that as um, I showcase other authors' work. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into that because I love that. I love anything interactive like that. I mean, it just, again, makes things so much more interesting than just boxes and circles that you click and, you know, it's just great, great design. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Okay. So do we want to move on to um, another comic themed uh, viz here? Sure. Why don't we look Let's at do one from uh, Josh Smith, one of the okay. ones you provided. Okay. So, um, you know, I actually had sent out a tweet about comics and visualization and saw that Joshua Smith was doing some really fantastic work. And so, um, you know, he talk, he's got four of his visualizations that are actually, if you were to visit his Tableau public profile, which I think you've said, Matt, you'll have the link to his profile in your show notes. Yeah, we will. Yeah, you'll see his featured visualization is about um, Star-Lord. He's also got one on Luke Cage, Ant-Man, and Daredevil. So is there a particular one that you want to um, look into a little bit further? Yeah, I was hoping to start with the, the Daredevil one. Awesome. We love Daredevil so, on this podcast. I know. So this is really just Joshua's or Josh's uh, tribute to Daredevil. Um, I think it's really cool. This visualization was inspired by Zach Geis, who is another Tableau author. And I love what... Josh has done here. This looks to me, this looks like a comic book. And I think that this is amazing. So if you take a look at what I did in 2014 and look at what Josh is doing now, I mean, it's amazing. I love the fonts that he have, like he matched it. You know, he has that font. It looks like something that Marvel would do, right? 
Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, the lettering looks the lettering looks like a professional level Marvel book. Yeah, and he's got the um, the panels that look like comic book can uh, panels, mm-hmm. and so um, he. I mean, there's just this really great map, and what I love about it, and no, we were just mentioning this, is that you get a little more. Uh, inter- with that interactive uh, feature, you get more context, you get a little more information. So in Josh's visualization here, he has the, he has a map of, um, uh, he has a map here and he has in the map, the complaints with the complaint numbers and the type of offense. So street offenses against public at, um, administration and uh he has one here on 113-2012, complaint number 1003-11662, street grand larceny. And so he says, this is the little slice of heaven he calls home where Matt Murdock works and Daredevil plays. And in the next panel, he has a nice little caption that says, there's a reason they call this, city, they call this the city that never sleeps with an average of almost 24,000 crimes per year. And the visualization that he has in this panel is the are the crimes and so you can see on 315 2006 i think it was i've i hovered over and missed it now but or 314 2006 yeah 81 crimes yeah um and so i think that that's really cool right because uh what you see here doesn't look like data in the in a traditional sense but Josh has really done a fantastic job of marrying up that data with a visually pleasing panel. So I, I mean, I think it is. I think it's just really fantastic. One yeah, thing I that I really complexity. like, the one thing that I really like in the first one is uh, the heat map. Yeah. Um, a lot of the ways that uh, Daredevil's vision is represented in comics is sort of like a radar sense and this kind of looks a lot like that that radar sense that uh, Daredevil would use to, in a way, see. Um, uh, and it, it looks a lot like that. So related to, to comics, that's a really cool sort of tie-in there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I'm sure Josh did that on purpose as well. That was not accidental. Um, and so then Josh has the top 10 criminal offenses by total complaints for 2006 to 2017 and, um, you know, petty larceny, grand larceny. So, I mean, it just, it really just does a fantastic job of laying out, um, but this is the real crime data of Hell's Kitchen. So I think that this is so cool. Um I mean, it, to me, it's super informative, but again, presented in such a way that like you want to dig into this. You want to know like, Oh, what's he doing? Like, where does he have to, you know, what are the criminal offenses that he's trying to battle now? Like it just gives you another kind of view or another storyline that you can actually think of with this character that you don't see on Netflix or whatever. um, Disney's going to call their programming. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a practicality to this, like your, like your presentation, but it's, you know, uh, it shows it in a way that's very memorable and it makes an impact because it's something that, you know, is in our culture so much. Like, you know, like you said, it's on Netflix. It's going to be on the Disney streaming. 
you know, we know this character and using the tools of pop culture and superheroes, we, we learn that there's a real problem and we are more informed because of this page. Yeah. I mean, cause he could have just presented crime data for hell's kitchen, but I don't think it would has been, it would have been as engaging as this. No, definitely not. Can we uh, look a little bit at the, uh, the little breakdown of the power abilities of the, the it's, it's still in the oh, sure. slide. Um, you know, that's one thing comic fans love to do is to, uh, compare skills and strengths with, with other, uh, with other superheroes. So here we see um, a breakdown of how he scores against uh, Spider-Man, Black Panther, Captain America, Iron Man, and, and Doctor Strange. Can you go into a little bit on how that data is presented? Well, it's really, um, I think that it's more of like a, uh, oh, what's the chart type I'm looking for? Uh, more of like a radar chart mm -hmm. uh, because he's really comparing strength, speed, IQ, fighting skill, energy, and durability. And so the character, it, when they, um, when they score higher on one, on one uh, aspect like strength, that'll be greater than the other characters that he's comparing against. So Iron Man, when he's wearing the suit seems to be a little, I uh, probably be a little more um, comparable to Daredevil. I mean, when you, we look at Captain America, we've got some really thin and sharp edges relative to this graph. And so um, I think that this type of graphing is or charting is really cool because it allows you to really compare. This has one, two, three, four, five, six aspects, which you wouldn't normally be able to do in a traditional data visualization. Okay. So uh, looking at this, is this uh, saying that uh, Daredevil's strength is, is higher than, than Captain America's? So I think so. Wow, that would be a. Uh, I think that. Love to talk to him about. I think that. that I think that yeah. might open. A can <laughs> yeah. So apparently, <laughs> according to this, it's Daredevil's strength score is an A is a five, and Captain America, um, is a three. So I, I don't think know if he's just going by who he likes more. Oh really? Yeah, I think, you think so. Oh. Could uh, I don't know. We'd have to dig into this data more to validate that. When I meet him, I'm going to be like, I liked your data visualization, but I got some problems with it. <laughs> Just I don't like this. It is Daredevil Thomas from this camera. Yeah, so... Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'd have to dig in and to figure out how he came up with that scoring. Yeah, we'll have to. I'm going to have to dig into him, too. Yeah, well, I mean that's the that's the ancient debate of uh, comics is who's who's the who's stronger than who. So that was just interesting to take a look at. One yeah. one issue we should go over at some point is the the great Mark Wade and uh, Paulo Rivera when uh, Cap and uh, Daredevil square off. Um, that's a great issue. Uh, not to get sidetracked, but this is okay. good visualization. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, how about if we dive into the to the Luke Cage uh, viz? Sure. 
Let me just bring that up real quick. It says here, Luke Cage is stronger than God. Uh, I don't think uh, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, doesn't have any. It doesn't look like this one has any strength. Um, no, I don't uh, think. Uh, it does, yeah. Oh, yep, there it is. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, so he has not the TV character Luke Cage, but really the comic book character Luke Cage. Um, funky Luke the, Cage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he has a little bit of the background there. Or, uh, yeah, he's got a little bit of the background to show. And then, again... What I love about this is he's really similar to Daredevil. Josh is saying, look, here's this comic book page panel, you know, these panels in a page, but he's using real life data again. So I think that mm -hmm. that's super cool. And this time it's um, Harlem. Yes. So and he doesn't again, just have the crime statistics. He's got these, uh, um, this on uh, oppression and racial disparity statistics as well. Yeah, that's right. So, um, but what I like about this is that there's this, you, you, we can start to see some consistency in how Josh is doing his visualization. So he mm -hmm. first starts out with this map, similar to what he had with Daredevil. Um, but right, like in this map, he says, you know, this is Harlem. It's known for its outpouring of incredible art by black Americans and unfortunately racial disparity and crime. And it's Luke Cage's home for better or worse. <clears throat> and then he talks about how there's an average of over 30,000 crimes per year over the last decade. And again, has that similar chart type that we saw with Daredevil, but just more in the Luke Cage kind of colors. Mm -hmm. um, and we can see that crime is getting better, but it's still a lot for one hero. Um, and that's, and then he goes in to say, that's why Luke Cage doesn't always fight alone. His earliest partner, the immortal Iron Fist, helped him tackle some of the strongest supervillains. And so what I'm guessing here is that we've got Luke Cage's strengths uh, we've got Luke Cage's scores um, and then Iron Fist. So I think what Josh was really showing here was the combination of the two and why uh, and how strong they were together. And then um, he has Jessica Jones as well kind of partnered up with these scores as well. So I think that that's pretty interesting. Yeah, um, so looking at that, it looks like he is more comparable to to Jessica than he is to yeah. um, to Danny, where Danny ran Iron Fist would sort of have some skills and abilities, uh, greater skills and abilities than Luke Cage has. But when you look at Jessica Jones and Luke Cage in that chart, they have a lot of uh, similar um, strengths and abilities because they're they're uh, they're their areas line up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and then there's a uh, graph on uh, systemic oppression, racial disparity, uh, criminal disparity. Um, so what it's interesting here, and one of his takeaways, which I like because it's in the title is, or in the caption, 
It says 40% of Harlem is black, but almost 70% of those arrested are black. So, wow. Like that is a huge, like that's almost, to me, that's one of those like uh, gut punches because you're like, well, I don't know if you're, if you have the um, explicit rating on this podcast, but it's like, well, (laughs) dang, (laughs) I'll keep it. I think Um, you just, I think you just come officially confirmed that the only two people on this uh on this podcast that have sworn have been our spouses yes that's so, correct. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, congratulations uh, but yay. now that's the only way it can be it can't be any <laughs> other way yeah uh, but you know this is really a gut punch right because it's like well uh, really mm. and so then um josh breaks it down in this visualization and to go into uh, some history of Luke Cage, that was one of the reasons why Luke Cage was created, was out of, um, and like not, in, not, not because, you know, to, to battle that fact, but around the time he was being written was in the 70s. Right. And so everybody was recovering from just the, you know, the, the, the harsh uh, history and um, the transition um, from Martin Luther King's uh, rise and the the fight for civil rights. Um, and, you know, it was a real battleground at the time. And uh, Luke Cage just seemed to be a natural fit for that, um, that time um, when everything was coming to the front. So, yeah. yeah, he's always been that hero that sort of fights um, for the, for the change that needs to happen in Harlem. Yeah. I, lo- I yeah. Some of the, um, kind of moving on to some of the other panels in this visualization. Like I love the newspaper look uh, in the panel where mm-hmm. it says seeing headlines never gets easier and the repetition only increases the tragedy. And there's a little headline from the daily bugle. Um, I just love just kind of how this is all laid out. Um, I think it's really cool. And I love that in the end it finishes with, um, I love that it finishes with, it can't be denied that Luke Cage is a, formid- uh, is a formidable protector of the streets of Harlem, but his true contribution is the symbol he represents, a symbol of resilience and hope. Like, mm-hmm. I love how that, vi- that visualization just ends on that note. Yeah, I love, uh, yeah, definitely. Like the Daredevil one. And, you know, that's what superheroes are supposed to represent. You know, they're supposed to represent hope. They're supposed to represent a standard that we can live up to. Um, you know, uh, you know, something that can inspire young kids or older men or, or women to, to be, you know, to be the best that they can be. So, you know, this ending on that note is a perfect way to end any kind of note. On, yeah. On and crime. I love that, um, you know, really, I mean, he, he's pulled in a couple of different data sources. So he's used uh, New York City open data, uh, police shooting data. Um, Harlem data and Marvel data as well to kind of bring it all together in this visualization. So that's kind of cool. Is it, is it pretty easy to create things like this? Like these, uh, like the, the first chart that we talked about with the, the, the over, over uh, like the satellite image of the city with the dots and stuff like that. Is it pretty easy to create that stuff in Tableau? Um, I think it's getting easier. Yeah. They've, okay. they are making some really fantastic changes in their mapping um, and going with a uh, 
yeah, going with a great provider that just allows for some amazing stuff. And really, the um, sometimes it seems like the only limit is your imagination because I have friends that just do like some amazing stuff with mapping. Like it's even for a non-nerd, it's like, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. So uh, yeah. yeah, Well, this is from an artist standpoint, from a design standpoint, this is beautiful stuff. Yeah. And Josh is is really a creative. And so um, I think that that shows in a lot of his work, especially this work here. Mm. Okay. Um, so in episode three, we did a tribute to Stan Lee after his passing, and we have a really cool uh, Stan Lee um, viz that uh, relates to um, revenues earned in appearances. Oh, yeah. So uh, I think that that is from Adam McCann. Adam is a genius. <laughs> um, and he was one of a few people that did a Stanley, a Stanley tribute mm-hmm. um, and Stanley comics. Um, these are cameos by film release date with a domestic kind of breakdown and total. And then he has it colored by MCU and other and so he, what he has is the, the name of the movie, uh, the cameo. And so this is another one where when you hover over, you get this information about the cameo. So in Venom, uh, the 2018, the first installment of a new shared universe adjunct, um, and within the same, and so Adam kind of gives you the background there mm-hmm. and then tell, then shows in another chart, it's kind of a chart within a chart, um, where the box office total. So he's got the foreign, which is 633 million. Domestic was 212 million for a total of 846 million. Wow. Um, yeah, I was actually kind of surprised. Uh, I don't know if I should be or not, but um, that Venom did so well abroad. We were all surprised. <laughs> uh, well, we're not. I'm surprised it did so well in the United States. This, you know. Superhero films, blockbusters are such a huge commodity and such a huge moneymaker in foreign. Um, Aquaman made half a billion dollars before it was released in the United States, just on overseas. So wow. it's, uh, yeah, superhero movies are like, Amer- like, uh, like the, like, you know, per capita, like, you know, the, the, like our, our greatest export in the United States, it seems. <laughs> So, like, yeah we're, yeah, we're doing great overseas as far as superhero films go. Um, yeah. And I yeah. like in this visualization that he also includes who, he, who Stanley was in the movie. So, in Venom, he was a dog walker. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man and the Wasp, he was a pedestrian. Um, I love what Adam does here by including just a little bit more. Because he has, um, mm-hmm. in X-Men Apocalypse, uh, so Stan was a bystander. But... Uh, his cameo is him clutching his wife, Joan, watching nuclear weapons launch. Like that's pretty cool to add that little bit of extra info in that annotation. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, in, I'm kind of jumping down here, but um, in Spider-Man three, like this is such a great, I, and I saw this quote a lot 
which is Lee tells Peter Parker, you know, I guess one person can make a difference. And so like that, I think it's just a little extra um, awesomeness that Adam added into this visualization. Yeah. So looking that, was, his, that was a pretty inspiring cameo up until I think Spider-Verse when he had that great, uh, that great speech that he gave to, um, to Miles in the costume shop, mm-hmm. which made me cry. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sorry, Matt, you go ahead. No. So looking at this, the, uh, Avengers affinity war is the, the biggest moneymaker on, on the board. Um, where it looks like the, maybe the first X-Men is the, the least, uh, the least, uh, amount of revenue, uh, created. Um, how much do you think of that is, um, time frame where that's there's like 18 years difference between that you know i i don't know that's a good question um although so yeah i don't know the exact answer to that but so let's see for x-men which was in 2000 um i don't know whether this is like to date numbers I would imagine mm-hmm. uh, it still is like crazy that infinity war. So that was 2018. So when Adam did this visualization um, in December, like, I mean, that was, that's a crazy difference. Yeah. So is it, is that what you, what you're seeing here? Is that really showing how much superhero movies have really caught on? So in 2000, when X-Men came out, was it really like as big and as popular as they are now? And I would submit to you, I don't think that that, uh, I don't think that they were as popular as they are now. Oh, definitely not. I mean, I remember when X2 came out, not even realizing, oh, when X-Men 1 came out, but like that, that movie sort of slipped under the radar. But at the same time, it sh- it was it was so big for comic book fans and for just you know movie fans alike because uh, you know the last time a superhero film had made money was like Batman Forever, and that was so goofy and over the top, and this was like X Men was like a gritty, uh, more realistic, uh, edgy sort of superhero film, and it hit a chord with the masses, and that sort of was the spark that fanned the flame that like just exploded into. Uh, you know, what we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say if you didn't have X-Men, and I think it often goes uncredited as the the movie that really did sort of prove to audiences and to, you know, the people who provide the money for the, um, for the movies that superhero films are a huge moneymaker and people actually want to see superheroes on screen. Um, yeah. And then that... I think that paved the way to superheroes being a bigger part of pop culture, you know, with, uh, you know, talking about like, I don't think without an X-Men movie, we wouldn't have got like a Wonder Woman movie or anything like that. You know, I think it was the, it was the door opener to that whole, um, that whole universe. Yeah. What I find in, what I find interesting um, also as part of this is if you just were to look at the domestic piece of this, um, Mm. you see a really nice kind of, um, curve if you will so x-men kind of on the down um let's you know just categorize that as down and then spider-man up then daredevil down hawk yeah. a little bigger. 
And then Spider-Man up and then X-Men down a little, Spider-Man up, Silver Surfer down. You know, so you've got this almost pattern here of you've got one that goes up and maybe one that goes down and one that's margin that's a little bit better and then it down, then up, then down. Then. And so I think that that's actually quite interesting. And I wonder um, how that tends to happen. Like... <laughs> Well, some of them uh, sucked. That's yeah. What well, there's a little yeah. bit of correlation between quality of movie and uh, yeah being earned there. But that being said, um, she's got a good point to be made because I am one of the few people that would think that I liked Venom, but I wouldn't say it's a good movie. I might even say it sucked, but I did like it. Um, and I would say even something like Spider-Man Three kind of sucks. Um, but like it's high. It's you know it's gross as. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not as much as it's uh, foreign gross, but it's, you know, it still made a lot of money here in the United States compared to Hulk, which, you know, was awful all across the board. Um, and uh, but there is something to say about what audiences want. You know, apparently audiences wanted Venom. And so it made a lot of money. Audiences wanted a Spider-Man 3. So it made a lot of money. So I think well, I think there is a deeper study to go for to see like, uh, why did these movies strike a chord with audiences at the time? I mean, I definitely want to know that, especially with Venom, not the movie I saw making close to a billion dollars this year. Uh, you know, just like when Suicide Squad came out two years ago, I came out of that movie and I was like, well, that's not going to go anywhere. And it was one of the <laughs> highest grossing films of the summer. And uh, I would love to see a study on like, who goes to see these movies, why they go to see these movies what's what's affecting people at the time you know i think uh to get political here and this is the most political i'll ever get on this podcast uh i know around 2002 when spider-man came out um everyone was still reeling from 9-11 of course um and when you watch that movie there's a sense of victory and picking you up like by the end um there's this great scene where Spider-Man's fighting the Green Goblin on the Brooklyn Bridge. And uh, all the people on the bridge start throwing things at the Green Goblin. And they say something like, if you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. And there's just such a sense of national pride in that moment. And, you know, at that time, everybody was reeling from a huge national disaster. So we needed something like a superhero to come and save us. You know, we needed to... Yeah rally behind a hero or something like that. So there is definitely something to be said about what the audience is looking for in a movie at the time. Um, but I don't know what that is in Venom. It just blows my <laughs> mind. Well, Venom's also going to be uh, in Spider-Man 3. So there's something about Venom uh, overseas that's, that's mm. tracking very well. Oh, yeah. They have Spider-Man 3 and oh, Venom. Hmm. So we have to think about what, what strike put what makes Venom the box office gold that he is that the movie doesn't even have to be good for it to make money? So I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think uh, this is a good one to close on. So Noah, as the, the artist here, um, why don't you give me a couple of thoughts on uh, the art choices and uh, the storytelling um, in, in these visits? I'm, I'm, my, my mind's blown by all this because we had a wide variety of visuals to look at. We had, you know, we had Emily's, which was sort of in between with like, you know, a lot of detail, a lot of elements to look at. Um, 
And, you know, I liked her first one, which we, you know, you had multiple pages to look at and it was sort of, you could view it all as a whole with one, you know, one, uh, you know, one large uh, data fact sheet. And then there were others where you could just look at it as one page, but there was so much on that one page. And then we finished up with this really simple, but at the same time, really detailed thing. It's just, um, it gets me excited with this kind of technology, what you can do with it and uh, what you can incorporate into it, especially with design. Um, you can have something complex, you can have something simple, but still cram a lot of data into it. So yeah, I loved it. It was all great. Yay! <laughs> so, my my is <laughs> so uh, Emily, why don't you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on data and how that relates to uh, telling stories? Yeah, so I mean, I think there's a communication. And I think and to be able to communicate it effectively and great. I mean, I think that that's great. Um, and doing the visualizations helps you kind of craft this. Um, you know, when you're looking at numbers, there's something that as you start to, you know, graph it out, you can start to see things pop up more. And then it gets you uh, to think about, well, why is this happening? And, and then really you can build a narrative around that. And so I think that data helps you tell the story more effectively, whether that story is about crime or about uh, business decisions. Okay. Um, so why don't you tell us a little about, about any current projects you have going on? Yeah, thank you. So I have, I'm starting to go back to, uh, that 2014 time period where I'm doing a little more with, uh, this comic themed approach and, uh, I'm actually participating in a data visualization project. A monthly project and the January topic was uh, crime data. I happened to pull Maryland crime data um, from like a open data for Maryland website and pulled the crime data for violent crimes in the state of Maryland and really as I started to graph out uh, I mapped out some of the data it, you know, Baltimore City, not surprisingly for those in Maryland, Baltimore City is a huge outlier. I mean, there's just like three times as much violent crime in Baltimore City than other jurisdictions in Maryland, which made me think about the wire. And so I'm, I started to think about this and I'm like, oh, wouldn't this be a great actual, this, wouldn't this be a great comic or a great like page? And so that's really how I'm, uh, what I'm working on right now is to craft, um, It'll be a very quick one, so it's not going to be as elegant, perhaps, as some others. But I love this idea. I'm I just immediately thought of Cedric um, Daniels uh, or Lance Riddick uh, is his actual name. Uh, but I thought about The Wire and Cedric Daniels and and really kind of telling that story and crafting it around the data to make it a little more interesting than here's a map of the violent crimes in Maryland. And here are the different types of violent crimes that, uh, and the, and their trends. I mean, I just wanted to, wanted it to be a little more engaging. So I will be coming out with the data wire is what I'm calling it. 
Um, and that'll be out, I think, this weekend. So it's going to be a kind of a rough, uh, rough cut of it. Um, but I'm excited to kind of get back to that creative side because there is a lot of creativity and design that goes into this. And so I'll just scratch the surface on this one. And then, of course, I'll uh, bring back Vicki Vaughn this year to do Good. a little more. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I've seen some of that art on that data wire um, uh, biz. That's, uh, that's some pretty impressive art you got going on there. <laughs> I'm excited to see this data wire as well. I've never watched The Wire, but <gasps> I just like, I know, don't, don't stone me. Um, but the, I, I like it when people make data interesting. As someone who works with data, um, at least for me, it can kind of blend together at times. So to have something relatable, to have something interesting in there, it, it really helps. So I'm excited yeah. to see this. Yeah, it's, um, I, well, I hope it'll be good. Um, it, it certainly is fun for me. So I just pulled it up for you to kind oh. of see. I'm, I've got, uh, I'm kind of placing some stuff right now. So I'm using, uh, I downloaded a font uh, called 1942 Report and use Canva for the, um, the, the title. And I'm saying I'm using data to protect and serve. And so I'm still, you know, I've got the art coming, but then I have the map of Maryland. And I really wanted this to be a very clean, very simple and minimal visualization. So I have a per capita view of violent crimes in Maryland, um, along with some small multiples is the chart type, but the, you've got the data, the, uh, the historical trend from actually 1975 of oh. murder, rape, robbery, multi-vehicle um, theft, uh, motor vehicle theft, excuse me, larceny, theft, B&E, and aggravated assault. So then it really, the story is going to be crafted around well, where do you need to focus in Baltimore City? It looks like um, it looks like rape and robbery are on the uh, uptick, and then for some of the other counties, which are have issues but aren't quite as bad as Baltimore City, PG County, and Baltimore County, where do you want to focus? And so the story will be crafted around that. So it, it's going to be a fun little project for me. That's all. That's pretty great. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. Taking inspiration from the, uh, the, the visuals that we saw tonight, that'll be really interesting to see and really, uh, yeah. really fun. Yeah. So kind of one of my goals was to come on here and just uh, talk a little bit about comics and data. And, you know, if you or your listeners ever want to kind of explore the data side of comics, I would bet you anything that there is a data visualization author out there just waiting to do a collab. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Okay, so I think that's going to do it for, for us for, for this episode. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. And if you could go give us a follow on social media, we're on Twitter at ConstructComPod. We are at on Instagram as constructing comics pod. And we are on Facebook as Facebook forward slash constructing comics. Emily, why don't you please tell people where they can find you online? All right. Well, you can find me on the Twitter and the Instagram at Emily Kuhn for my personal accounts and analytics um, at analytics to inform for my business accounts on Instagram, where you can see all kinds of data fun. 
Uh, I am not on the Facebook, Matt. So Twitter and Instagram is where I'm at. Okay. Sounds great. Oh, and if you wanted to listen to a fantastic Tableau podcast, you can listen to the Tableau Wannabe podcast, which is also available on all of your major podcast listening uh, platforms. And we're on the Twitter as well as at the TW podcast. And you do that with your, uh, with, um, well, I forget his name. Um, who it's is easy. your co-host? My co-host's name is Matt. Uh-huh. <laughs> Matt Francis, who is... Matt Francis. Yeah, who's based out of um, the London area. Ooh. Yeah. So it's a very, it's a cool little podcast because it's uh, talking about Tableau and data visualization, but a really in a great conversational fun way. Very cool. Very cool indeed. All right. Well, I'd like to thank Emily for being on the podcast and I'd like to thank everybody for listening. All right. Great. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you, Emily. Thanks everybody.